The FDA just gave their approval to the COVID vaccine. And we're going to talk with a LifeSite specialist, Celeste McGovern, who's been covering the issue of the vaccines, talking to doctors since really the beginning of the pandemic. And uh, we're going to get the goods. In fact, she's got for us a top 10 list of why this so-called approval is not one at all. In fact, it's there to force the vaccine on everyone. Stay tuned. Celeste McGovern, welcome to the program. Thanks, John Henry. Glad to be here. Let's begin, as we always do, at the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So, Celeste, you have been covering this issue for a long time now, but I'm I'm sure you've never seen anything like this. But what we want to get from you today is your top 10 list, which I know you're putting out on LifeSite News, but your top 10 list about the FDA approval uh, that was just handed down. What's happened here is just as the um, COVID vaccines have been warp speeded through development and ushered over hurdles and, you know, barriers moved to put them on the market to us under an EUA, um, the FDA has now just broken its own protocols to uh, give the final green light, its um, gold standard uh, FDA approved label to Pfizer's um, mRNA vaccine. I would say that the top um, reason I've cited that this is not reassuring, that this really just means that the FDA approval is about, is not about our health and safety or public health, but about mandating the vaccines, is that the drug is still experimental. These are novel mRNA, messenger RNA vaccines that hijack Um, our own uh, human cellular machinery and cause it to manufacture um, the coronavirus notorious spike protein on their own. This has never before been done in humans. We are less than a year, everyone knows, months from the rollout of the vaccine. Um, And so by definition, it is still experimental. This is a new... um, a new platform, a new technology, never used before, with known and unknown risks, many unknown long, long-term risks on fertility, on COVID itself, on cancer, on the immune system, all unanswered questions. As well, this vaccine is still in clinical trials. Pfizer's clinical trials were initially constructed to last two years and go to May 2023. Um, we're still in 2021. And these are experimental drugs, um, whether you call them experimental or not, which is what the FDA has just done. The other thing the FDA has done, um, which I would say is point two on this, is that they have skipped the external review. So rather than having um, independent scientists look at the open book data from Pfizer, they've basically done a closed door process um, uh, Kim Witchak, who is an FDA drug reviewer on an advisory committee, came out in June with a petition um, in the British Medical Journal 
um, imploring Pfizer to open the doors before it did this F um, FDA approval and saying this should not be approved until 2022 at least. Um, which X letter is then was uh, an updated letter was posted in the BMJ just a few days ago in which she cited, she said, we basically have had no access to the data. And um, what they have seen is six months of data. When trials were set up for two years before um, approval was to be sought, they've now done it with six months of data. So they've just skipped a year and a half and not open the data on that. Another thing that Wichita pointed to is the fact that there are no controls. Every high schooler knows that you need, in a gold standard trial, a placebo and um, an experiment group. The Pfizer erased the placebo group and decided to give the shots to the, the control group um, months ago. So now, any long-term effects that might have been detected in the experimental group and not in the control group are erased. We can't see that. Absolutely making a mockery of science while they just try to foist this vaccine on everybody. Incredible. I mean, a control group is a, is a pretty basic concept and there is no control. In fact, I would say that the unvaccinated are the only remaining control. And the mission of this FDA approval is to erase that group as well. Wow. So that we can never see what the effect is without the vaccine, that all long-term effects are then attributed to other causes rather than the vaccine. The other thing is that, which, which I pointed to in the BMJ, was the fact that there has been no published data on the biodistribution and the pharmacokinetics of the um, vaccine ingredients. Like we haven't seen it. We were leaked one unpublished study of uh, Pfizer's biodistribution study uh, in animals, lab animals, uh, where the lipoprotein that encases the mRNA was injected into lab animals. And that was followed. That data was leaked and it was incredibly disturbing. It showed that this lipoprotein that was supposed to remain at, in the muscle cells at the injection site, in fact, uh, was measurable in every organ tested and especially concentrated in ovaries. So it's, it, I mean, it's astonishing and it's, um, it, it's not good for mass marketing. You know, none of these, why didn't Pfizer do a trial, a, bio, a published biodistribution um, experiment where they inject the vaccine and follow it through the animals, sacrifice the animals and look at where it goes for all of us to see that with every ingredient hasn't been done. And I think that most people who have gotten the shots, first of all, thought it was approved already. Um, and second of all, assume that these kind of studies have been done and they haven't. Um, or if they have, they've not been published because their results are alarming. Um, other concepts, other things besides the hidden data, um, is the, the fact that Peter Doshi, who is a senior editor at the BMJ, points to is that um, he calls it the elephant or likens it to an elephant in the room. And he says, we have this problem of waning immunity. Um, there are tens of thousands, well, there were tens of thousands of uh, breakthrough cases of COVID in the fully vaccinated as of May. We're now in August, we can, uh, and the CDC stopped counting those cases unless they were hospitalized or, or died. 
so we have we have this phenomenon of fully vaccinated people being infected with the COVID um, virus and spreading it around. What this 95, in fact, the FDA's letter of approval cites uh, Pfizer's initial clinical data that the vaccine, its vaccine is 95% effective. This is the figure we've heard since the beginning uh, back in November, October last year, is that this is 95% effective. Well, that number was very dodgy to begin with for, and, and controversial for what it meant for the individual and not the population. It wasn't, it certainly doesn't provide 95% effectiveness to the individual. Israel's Ministry of Health data shows that it is by early July, that 95% effectivity had waned to 65% and by late July to 39%. So we, we, the latest data of a month ago is that you have a 39% effective vaccine, not a 95% effective vaccine. And the FDA's own um, requirement is that the vaccine, if, if you go back to the beginning of the pandemic, a vaccine must be 50% effective. So it's not even meeting the FDA's own low standards for approval now. And they've just ignored that initial bar. It's gone. You add this to the fact that um, Biden is now, the, the real objective of this FDA approval is to, to, to give a green light to government agencies and businesses to um, override uh, people's um, freedom of conscience and the principle of informed consent. Um, so that they face no legal repercussions for forcing this vaccine on people against their will. So already we've seen the, the announcement was made by the FDA yesterday and immediately following that, the Pentagon announced that all uh, military personnel would be required to take the vaccine. Um, immediately following that announcement, uh, New York Mayor de Blasio said all New York school teachers would be required to have the vaccine by September and there would be no opt-out with testing. Um, so it's very clear. And then Biden himself came out and made that very clear. And he said, um, you know, if you were hesitating about this, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, if you were hesitating about this, well, now you have FDA approval. You go ahead and do what I did and you force your employees to get this. So the real purpose of this is not safety, it's not public health, it's strong arming the public in a way that violates basic ethics, cornerstone medical ethics like the Nuremberg Code, which said, you know, when we came out of World War II, we saw the horrors of forced experiments on, uh, by the Nazis on the Jews and said, we will never, ever do that again. We encoded it in the Nuremberg Code. No one will ever be forced to participate in an experiment. So now they're just saying this isn't an experiment, but it is an experiment. It's an ongoing experiment, and we have no idea of the long-term effects. And while people are being put under strict regulations, people as young as 16 now, but I can guarantee that this um, FDA stamp of approval will quickly extend to children under 16. Um, and then and then to our, our toddlers and our infants, ordinary citizens are being subjected to strict regulations. Um, criminal recidivists like Pfizer are getting the pass 
from government. We are being aided and abetted in this, allowing this experiment on people against their will and without informed consent. So, I mean, um, I'm not using that as an analogy, by the way, that Pfizer is truly a criminal recidivist. It is a company that um, paid out the largest um, payout uh, in history for illegally promoting a drug that, for purposes that the FDA said was not safe. It has a track record of violating the law and, corners and basic tenets of medical ethics. So we are basically um, in the hands of an administration that is allowing a criminal recidivist to foist its experimental drug on people who are unwilling. It's an unbelievable thing. We have over and over and over again, we're confirmed in the fact that this has nothing to do with a virus. This has nothing to do with science. This is all some political ploy, some kind of uh, um, ploy for control of people, because none of it made sense scientifically from the start. You had all of the, you know, public transportation still available where you sit side by side, but oh, God forbid you'd go to church because there you have to sit in a mask with this and that and probably won't let you in. And if we do let you in, it's going to be at 5% while stores, well, they can be at 25 or 50%. The the inequality was unbelievable and totally unscientific. And what's lost in all of this too, John Henry, is the fact that we have lessons of medical hubris and huge tragedies from experiments in the past. Young people have never learned about horrors, medical horrors like thalidomide. Um, thalidomide was a drug that was doled out like bubblegum to pregnant women who were told it's perfectly safe to treat their nausea, uh, a harmless um, thing in pregnancy. And they wound up, you know, it wasn't stopped until those women started delivering babies who had flippers for limbs. Thousands of children were born, well, thousands of people, children died, um, but others lived their lives with horrific disabilities, um, missing digits, uh, missing limbs. The horror stories in medicine are, I mean, there's a, there's a long laundry list. DES was another drug given out in the 60s to pregnant women, and um, they didn't discover the side effects of that until those pregnant women's babies developed. And then they found that they developed a rare, I mean, they were grown women or young women when they developed a rare vaginal cancer. So it was years and years later that the signal emerged. And we've also seen horror stories from former vaccines. Um, it was only 2009 in the last wine flu pandemic that the uh, pandemic vaccine was doled out in Europe and um, the signal of narcolepsy in hundreds and hundreds of cases, mostly children uh, who developed the brain disorder narcolepsy, which is a devastating sleep disorder. It causes people to collapse like a rag doll several times a day. You'll never, never drive a car or you'll never, you know, there's, it's a very limiting and, and devastating disease. And this affected something like the 1400 children, mostly in Europe. Um, mostly children, um, and that vaccine was pulled off the market. But, you know, the uh, GBS, the Guillain-Barre syndrome, was another uh, um, 
disorder that was found in a, a, a 1970s pandemic swine flu vaccine. We're having GBS now from these vaccines. Uh, it's, it's already emerging. People think that, oh, these lessons are learned. It was 2017 when the Dingvaxia vaccine was put out in the Philippines and hundreds of children died because Sanofi's Dengvaxia vaccine actually made the disease worse in children. The vaccinated children suffered worse from Deng when they contracted it than if they had been unvaccinated. This resulted in dozens of health um, officials being prosecuted, criminally prosecuted, um, and Dengvaxia being pulled. But that, or that ordeal is still, you know, percolating. Um, it happens today, and what I think is the most terrifying thing about this is that this is happening on, on such an unprecedented and grand scale. It's hard not to fear what is going to unfold because it seems like um, we already have 9,000 deaths from Pfizer's vaccine recorded deaths. And this is just according to VAERS or is this? This is VAERS data. It's showing just for Pfizer, 9,000 reports of deaths. Um, 16,000 permanent disabilities. And we know that there's only captures a, a fraction of those. Yeah, we're, we're not getting the whole picture. And, and it took years for them to capture the narcolepsy in children with, um, with it wasn't until 2011 that the signal on the, the narcolepsy came up. It's two years later. We've had already in just months, unexpected side effects like blood clotting, um, fatal blood clotting and lethal, like potentially lethal, rare events that were not even on the screen to show up, at least not in the public screen to show up. And then they've just said, oh, okay, well, it's a small risk, keep going. Last week, Moderna um, was added to the FDA's watch list for cases of myocarditis. Turns out that the risk of myocarditis in young people is now 12 in a million. You remember they told us, so oh, it's a one in a million chance of anything serious. Well, just for myocarditis, it's 12 in a million for young, young people that you develop a, a potentially fatal heart condition. Why do we think that Pfizer's is just going to be any different from Moderna's and, and be perfectly clear? It's the same technology. The, mm-hmm. I honestly find this just, uh, it's, a terrifying situation. It is, it is. And I, I wanted to just thank you for your coverage at LifeSite. We're, uh, I think, uh, you know, having experts like yourself writing on these subjects, uh, con- being very conversant with the doctors who are trying, despite getting canceled for it and, and facing all kinds of ramifications for it, uh, speaking out for the good of humanity uh, and, uh, you know, to try and save people because they're watching what's happening in patients. Um, anyway, thank you for your coverage. Um, and I encourage everyone to go to LifeSite News uh, and check out Celeste McGovern and uh, all of her writings there, most of which have uh, covered COVID for these last months. Thanks so much. God bless you, Celeste, and God bless all of you. We'll see you next time. Hi, this is John Henry Weston, the co-founder and editor-in-chief of LifeSite News. I'm coming to you today because we want to be sure that we are communicating clearly with you, our loyal followers. Things are really heating up, as I'm sure you can see. Christians, conservative truth-tellers, 
are being targeted, are being banned from social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at an alarmingly fast rate. They are attempting to suppress any narrative that does not fit that of the mainstream media. We knew this day would come. We have been warning everyone who would listen and attempting to build up alternative platforms to continue to reach you. We have established ourselves on all sorts of platforms I'm going to explain in a minute, but the most important thing to do is come direct to lifesitenews.com because there we will always be. But we've also established ourselves on platforms like Parler and MeWe and our videos can be found on Rumble as well. We would love to see each of you on those platforms too, as they are not censoring or suppressing the truth that we are sharing every single day. More than these alternative social media platforms, we highly encourage you to subscribe to our email newsletter. We have really built up a large list of loyal readers on our email marketing platform, and we have prepared several backup plans for, well, I want to say if, but it's really when, we are removed from our current platform as well. Additionally, I really encourage you, as I said before, to make it a regular habit to go directly to lifesitenews.com. Make it your homepage. While all of these different platforms are an excellent way to curate your news, going directly to our website means that you will never encounter any censorship or sudden loss of LifeSite News reporting. Here's the thing. We will never stop sharing the truth. We founded this organization with the mission to be the life, family, and culture source for men and women who seek to know the truth. We have established a track record of honest reports, and this will never stop, even with censorship happening around the globe. Again, I'm encouraging you to join us on Parler, MeWe, Rumble, and on our email list. You can find all the direct links in the description of this video. May God bless you and keep you, and we are so thankful that you've chosen to follow and support LifeSite News. I'm John Henry Weston, co-founder and editor-in-chief of LifeSite News.